The Pennsylvania primary is coming up. While you figure out what you're going to wear, we'll pick all the top stories and talk about them on Inside Story right now. Good morning, everyone. I'm Matt O'Donnell. It is Sunday, May 6, 2018. We all know what we're wearing for the primary. We've already picked out our colors. Let's meet our insiders <laughs> of the week. We have Nia Meeks, communications executive. Good morning. Good morning, Nia. We have Allison Young, political strategist. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Allison. Jim Eisenhower, attorney. Hello, Good Jim. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. Jeff Jubilera, communications executive as well. Good Hello, morning, Jeff. Matt. Let's talk about the Pennsylvania primary. It's nine days away. We have a grab bag of topics, so many things going on. The idea that Pennsylvania could be ground zero for a Democratic retake of the House. We have a nasty governor's race. We have a heavily watched Senate race. Let's talk about this one. Democrat Alan Howe, who is running to defeat incumbent GOP Congressman Scott Perry in Central PA, says if he wins, he will. There's Lou Barletta, by the way. We'll talk, get to him in a moment. But, uh, Scott Perry, uh, no, Alan Howe says if he wins, he will vote to impeach President Trump. This despite warnings from fellow Democrats like House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, who said talking impeachment is a gift to Republicans. Is it a gift to Republicans, Jim? Uh, I think it depends on, you know, the, the race and who you're trying to appeal to. I've noticed this trend in other races. I think the fellow running for Congress in Bucks County said uh, uh, one of Trump's proposals was idiotic. Uh, this, this kind of uh, vitriolic level of, of, uh, of campaigning. Uh, everything's been thrown off by Trump. So I think uh, nothing's out of bounds. It would be fairly unique at this point for people to actually talk about, I don't know, policies or, you know, <laughs> issues. And we'll get to that yeah, at some point, Eventually right? we will get to that. And I believe when you're talking, well, actually when you talk to voters, they will tell you, they want to know what are you going to do about health care? What are you going to do about education? What are you going to do about safety? Traditional issues that they still don't hear answers for. Right now we're hearing a lot of noise out of D.C. And that's sexy, the whole impeachment thing, but it's not necessarily relevant. As anyone will tell you even if this president were impeached it's not going to change anything right behind him is vice president pence so there it is central pennsylvania <laughs> impeach trump doesn't seem like it goes well together it to doesn't me. i'm never i'm never one to uh, to openly agree with nancy pelosi but she's right <laughs> on this this is a gift to republicans let the democrats keep talking about impeachment because it's particularly in the central Pennsylvania in central pennsylvania this does not play well and it's it's um it's just it's a silly argument and fundamentally misunderstands the candidates are misunderstanding what their role is to going to be when they get to Congress. It's, this is not their role when they get there. Their role is to get there, get things done, compromise. All they're telling voters is they're going to be part of the problem when they get to D.C. Yeah, camp, don't don't confuse campaigns with actually being a, in governance. <laughs> um, and you see it on both sides. So on, on the Democratic primary, you're seeing this, this rhetoric that we just talked about. But on the other hand, you see Lou Barletto, I know we're going to talk about yeah. it as well, running for Senate against uh, sitting Senator Bob Casey saying, I'm going to go to D.C. to uh, help President Trump. Mm -hmm. So you see it on both sides. But you watch after May 15th. It all, a lot of it will go out Could the window, change, yes. especially in Pennsylvania, as you said, Matt, because we are ground zero, as you said, for some really historic possible general elections with a new map. Lou Barletta, let's talk about him. Republican congressman, he's poised to win the primary mm -hmm. to face Democratic mm -hmm. Senator Bob Casey in the general. Ran an ad calling Casey a lottery winner, saying that's because he's racked up a publicly funded salary of more than $3 million. Casey says it's actually less than that. But as you said, Jeff, uh, Barletta also in this ad fully aligned himself with Trump and the immigration issue, which he's one of the, the first people yes, to really, is. truly talk about this thing. 
So anyone want to uh, talk about uh, how this um, might play in the urban areas of the state? Because it's got to run statewide. <laughs> well, no one's really concerned about that, it appears. But can we just stop for a second? Let's talk about that ad. That ad, regardless of who the players are, really indicates everything that's wrong with our politics. Here we have someone who's basically equating public service to getting rich off of government. Number two, telling me as a citizen, you as a citizen, that you're not, you're not intelligent enough to look up someone's record to see exactly what they have done. And you're just kind of going with this, oh, it's a lottery winner. He hasn't done anything for X number of years. Any politician hasn't done anything for X number of years. I'm sorry, haven't you been in public service since about 1999 also? I mean, it's it's so cynical. It gets away from what is it that you're trying to do? And we have this buffoonery kind of politics right now. And then people wonder, well, why can't we get anything done in Washington? Hmm. But don't you think Barletta is, is he's uh, you know gambling yes. that the trend that carried uh, Donald Trump to victory in Pennsylvania, albeit very narrowly, is still there. Sure. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that's his gamble. Mm -hmm. If it's still there, then that message will still work. This is his line of thought. Uh, and, and it's not uncommon for uh, people running for office to say, I'm going to support the president if they think the president's popular, right? I mean, that, that's, that's not the first time that's been done. Uh, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a bad gamble on Barletta's uh, side. I think the equation has changed drastically. And I don't think that if Trump were to run right now in Pennsylvania, he'd win the state, let alone Lou Barletta. Do you think... Is it still there? Jim doesn't think it is, this, this mood that Pennsylvania had in 2016. Well, I, I think that, that, that it's still there, maybe not to the level, um, because what you'll see, I think, in the fall, depending on things that may change between now and then, is, is a lot more, we had a lot of turnout in 2016. I think you can see further turnout in 2018. In the midterm. In the mid, uh, well, in the midterm, absolutely. And suburbanites are going to come out in force, and I think that that, that probably just goes well for Democrats. But what we know Not about, as much. But what we know about the Trump voters in the, in the last election is they weren't public before the race, and people were surprised sure. on election and night. They weren't so Republican before the race, many of them. <laughs> a lot of them were Democrats. And so so sure. I think it's you know it's still I think it's a, a, a tough a tough race to call, and you know frankly, Bob Casey hasn't done a lot to anger people, and that way he's similar to, to Governor Wolf. He hasn't done a lot to anger people, That's but fair. what has he really done? Pennsylvania still has two pro-life senators. He's not a strict Democrat. He is conservative on some issues, so um, I think it's a tough race to try to beat Senator Casey this time around, even for a good candidate like Lou Barletta. There is someone talking about issues. Her, na her name yes. is Laura Ellsworth. Yes. yes. She's the, hey, I'm also running for governor candidate. Right. She finally has uh, run an ad. She's running for the GOP nomination. Uh, this ad portrayed her as a very different candidate a from the scorched earth <laughs> policy that we've seen from the brawlers on the GOP side, Scott Wagner and Paul Mango. Ellsworth is talking about creating jobs, boosting education, reforming state government. Is Ellsworth not negative enough to have any chance? You know, and, that, and that's a cynical question. But. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a fair question, and this is I, we don't have enough time to talk about why I want an open primary to allow independents and others to vote in the Republican primary election. Laura Ellsworth, and I've talked about her two or three times on the show, would be Governor Wolf's worst nightmare. She is a strong candidate. I will say that it does, I think it's a great year to run as a female, mm -hmm. but she is bright, she is pro-business, she is moderate, um, relatively speaking, in a Republican primary on the issues, but is it, is it too late? Is 10 days enough to get out the, the word 
and to Republican primary voters who tend to be more on the conservative side, hence Mango and, and Wolf going at each other to out conservative. Why, you know, why did she wait so long you know, to run an ad? It would be interesting. She had a heart, you know, Laura, I, I know Laura Ellsworth, she's, Jeff's right, she is a great candidate, but she waited too long to raise the money. She didn't have the money to be up on TV. The ad is great, and it's actually, I saw a poll this week, it's actually helping her numbers. Mm -hmm. And she may finish second in this primary, wow. and Paul Mango and all of his negative ads, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, are, have backfired on him. So, you know, her running this positive ad, running a positive campaign, I think actually positions her really well in the party. She's running in good. In the future, but right? Yeah. But you know what's really interesting, and I hear what you're saying, but when you, I take Chester County as an example. Chester County has a lot of Republican women, Democratic women, and a voice such as Laura Ellsworth actually rings true there. And so if you take that and multiply it enough times, there's a possibility. It would be a long shot, and yeah, she would be a black sheep, but she's bringing <laughs> issues. Uh, yeah, black sheep, right? She's bringing issues. She's bringing intelligence and she could be a really formidable candidate against Governor Wolf. Put her on the bench for a next election. Usually the, the intelligent, reasonable candidate <laughs> doesn't <right>. win. <laughs> Tim is unfortunately right. I, I, I wish I was wrong and, about that. And but the party uh, is not behind her for the most part. I, you know, they've they've already already Wolf. Wagner. Or, excuse me, Wagner. That Wagner. Was His polling numbers are still up. You know, I think it's a battle for second place between Wagner and Ellsworth right now, but I think Scott Wagner wins this primary. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, this is some irony in this one. This new congressional map uh, replaces the gerrymandered <laughs> one that the GOP drew in 2011. The Philadelphia Inquirer reveals that dozens of Democratic state lawmakers voted for that gerrymandered <laughs> map for Republicans, like Margot Davidson of Delaware County, Angel Cruz of Philadelphia, John Galloway of Bucks County. So now that we have criticized the map, <laughs> but Democrats voted for it, how do you explain that? Well, <laughs> uh, I know uh, from the perspective of Congressman Brady, for instance, what he has said is I was looking at it from a Philadelphia perspective. And the, the old map preserved three congressional districts in the city of Philadelphia. The new map has, has taken that down to two. So his rationale was uh, I was really just looking at it from the Philadelphia perspective. That's uh, that's my constituency, and I thought it was important that the city keep three three congressional seats, which I think makes sense. Yeah, and, and people and, and his, his colleagues or those in the state legislature, they listen to Bob Brady. And if Bob Brady says, and by the way, he had support from then Congresswoman Allison Schwartz, Mike right. Doyle out in Pittsburgh, Shaka Fatah in Philadelphia, all said we are, were okay with it. They, they thought the alternative was worse, and they never could have imagined at that time there'd be a court case that would overturn the map. Okay. Republican Congressman Pat Meehan abruptly decided he's going to resign from the House. He's, he's done. Uh, as you know, he was accused of workplace harassment. Uh, Governor Tom Wolf has called for a special election to fill Meehan's seat for the final two months of his term on the general election and may do the same if Charlie Dent leaves, which, as he says, he's going to leave in May. He represents a district up in Lehigh, the Lehigh Valley. Why bother? Two months. <laughs> I think it's a great question. I think it's a waste, fr frankly, I think it's a waste of resources for a cash-strapped commonwealth like Pennsylvania. It's a waste of resources. Although, they, I mean, it is happening on a, the day of the election anyway, but, but, <laughs> but, but why have a special? It's just, and the turnout's going to be low. What is it really an indicator so of? So I get to vote in two elections because <laughs> oh. I reside in what is now the seventh congressional right. district, will become the fifth congressional district. You're we don't have enough maps and graphics. So, right, I'm right. sorry to do that on in, in short form television, <laughs> but it's 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 uh, 
you're going to have the candidates who presumably will win the primary run in the special and then fill it for two months. I think the law district. requires that there be a representative yes. for that district, yeah. even though the district I is wish it was earlier, but I, I'm not sure right. he can make it early because in the sense of I know it would cost more money, but we won't have representation where I live between now, since me and step down, and I guess what January. But you know, it's also interesting. There, in some states, uh, you, know, you have governors saying, "Okay, if you step down for issues regarding harassment or whatever, and you're costing us to have a special election, you're going to have to pay mm -hmm. and reimburse like us." Yeah. It's That's an interesting that. concept, yeah, really but you know, right. it's yeah. something we should yeah. look at. Yeah. Is there any strategy, Jim, with Governor Wolf? maybe seeing, well, maybe you have a better chance winning these special elections and then that may, bodes well for... Uh, well, I mean, I think there is some precedent for it. You know, I know a couple of years ago, uh, Ed Nielsen ran for a state house seat uh, that was redistricted away. Uh, it, it ended up, uh, he served in that seat for a couple months. He ended up, I think, getting elected to city council from there and then has gone back into the state house. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it can be a stepping stone to other things. Sure. Okay. Starbucks. <laughs> Both men who were arrested at the Center City Starbucks have settled with the city of Philadelphia, also with Starbucks itself. The city will give them a symbolic $1 each and will spend $200,000 to set up a youth program for young entrepreneurs. Starbucks agreed to a financial settlement with a gentleman but did not disclose how much that was. Is it time to move on, Nia, with this? Absolutely. And really, this is an outcome that actually pays dividends for a lot of people. I mean, we could truly empower a new generation of entrepreneurs. We definitely have pointed out some issues with Philadelphia policing that are now being looked at and actually being addressed. And in terms of what happened with these two gentlemen, there were lots of calls and accusations saying, oh, they're just looking for a payday, and you know, these are just rabble-rousers. Clearly, if there are issues that need to be addressed, we need to put them in the fore, regardless of what industry it is, and we need to address them. This was a resolution that I think most people who are reasonable could agree with. This is your business, Jeff, <laughs> handling situations mm -hmm. like this. How did Starbucks Not on this do? one, unfortunately. Um, I think Starbucks did really well. Uh, actions spoke louder than words. They, from the get-go, that CEO was all over apologizing, calling it reprehensible, coming himself into Philadelphia. Right. The buck stops here when it stops the CEO. They are the ones who should pay up, not as much the city as they haven't, except in the Entrepreneur Fund, which will be great with the School District of Philadelphia and the entrepreneurship uh, work. But I think Starbucks, again, no excuse for the, the, the manager who made that, that horrible decision that day. And, and clearly had some bias or implicit bias, but Starbucks, I think, really stepped I, up. I would like to hear from that manager because we haven't, mm -hmm. and perhaps there is another side of this story that we haven't really oh, been able to sort through. I mean, it doesn't look very likely because all the facts are, you know, yeah. the way they are, but could, could uh, Facebook learn a little bit from the way Starbucks has handled this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we laugh. We laugh. Facebook could absolutely learn. It's, it, it, it's, you have to, even if you don't know the answers, you have to at least address and acknowledge the situation, and Facebook didn't do that. Southwest Airlines, on their hand, did do it. We can look at another good example with the recent scare and unfortunate tragedy of one, losing one passenger on that, on we'll, that flight. We'll be right back with more Inside Story after the break. 6ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. The Philadelphia Parking Authority offered an amnesty program for an entire month, giving parking scofflaws a chance to get rid of parking tickets. Too many people waited until the absolute <laughs> last day to take advantage, and in the crush, they took it upon themselves to complain about long lines, lack of bathrooms, <laughs> lack of water. Twitter response. A couple quick quotes here. 
One person said the woman who screamed at the TV saying that there was no toilet paper for some 4,000 people was a disgrace. Well, maybe if she paid her ticket when she was supposed to, she wouldn't be in this predicament. Another person said they wouldn't be there. They just took care of the tickets and they've had years to do it. How about being grateful instead of screaming lines are long? Unreal. Allison. This is the most ridiculous story that I have read all week, and there's a lot of competition for that award. But come on, can we all just take a little personal responsibility here? You didn't pay your ticket, then you were given an option to not pay your ticket, and all you had to do was show up, and they still can't do that and complain? Ridiculous. Come on, Philadelphia. But you know what, I'm going to say this for the other side. There are people who may work all kinds of crazy jobs, have lots of different types of responsibilities. They might not necessarily have that time, and they got right down to it and said, this is now or never. I mean, we're talking about people who are just getting by, and those tickets can just mean the world and so if you were able to get that off your back it's like you're trying to get there and whatever you have a sick kid you got a sick mom you're trying to work shift I, hours you just I think we Philadelphia is having an inalienable right to make unreasonable complaints but they had 30 days I mean I'm, I'm not trying to say everyone has lots of problems get your mom your sister your neighbor take your child I mean, the lines would have worked 15 minutes. I'm not saying it's the case yeah, for everyone, but uh, I am saying there are 50 bucks. circumstances. And, uh, and I, I refuse just to say just straight out all these people no, are there's all no violin. Like, there's no, no violin no, here. No. This is the first time I've ever seen someone take the side of the Philadelphia Park. I know. Right? <laughs> I, I wish the, the, city could learn, the city could learn something. We think about property tax cuff laws now. I wouldn't do it for 50 you know bucks. What? I mean, thousands right. of, and millions of <laughs> dollars right. that yeah. they should go after. Yeah. And Alan Dom's idea is right. We, before we start taxing businesses and, and uh, individuals more. We need to collect the delinquent taxes. Yeah. Especially so, scoff laws and yeah. slum lords. So not just people, but corporations too. So. <laughs> Let, let's talk about Bill Cosby here. Yeah. Juror one came out. And juror number one, he said the entertainer's own words from a deposition that you probably remember he gave about how he admitted to giving women drugs before sex led to the conviction. Camille Cosby, Cosby's wife of 54 years, said the conviction was a result of mob justice, not real justice, and a tragedy that must be undone. Cosby himself will be in court tomorrow with a brand new legal team to appeal the conviction on the basis that the judge is biased because Judge Stephen O'Neill's wife is an advocate for sex assault victims. Jim, is that Cosby's best grounds for an appeal here? No, absolutely <laughs> not. No, uh, seriously, the, the, the best ground for appeal uh, is challenging the judge's uh, admission of these what's called prior bad acts. Uh, it's a very it's a controversial area in criminal law. A lot of judges would not allow those acts to be admitted because a they're not proven. Right? Does they're, it make any difference, and does it build their case that in the first trial they weren't allowed? Uh, you know that's an interesting legal question. Uh, I'm not sure that would even be in the record on appeal. Because the first trial was. So it's a, like the first trial never happens. So right. right. Happen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. There's a juror said he said on Good Morning America last mm -hmm. week. It's not the Me Too movement. It's not the pressure. It's his own words. You have a deposition where he says, point blank, I gave drugs or I gave quaaludes in order to have sex with, with women. I, he I mean, also had consent cannot be done that way. Plus, it's not has, consent. has previously argued, uh, I think Brian McMonigle, his, his first lawyer uh, who, who got that hung jury, that uh, it, it was because Bruce Castor said he wasn't going to prosecute Cosby at the time that Cosby gave the deposition. Because he could have yeah. taken the Fifth Amendment, mm -hmm. so there there's some interesting legal sure. issues that are going to have to be addressed in this appeal. Aside from that, does Cosby go to jail? Does he get any time in prison? Yeah, well, I think there will be appeals to try to keep him out of prison for some time. Run out his, the clock. And his health has not been the best. But you know, even beyond all of that, when we look at this situation, we're talking about his own words. 
anyone reading those words can say, if that were my sister, if mm -hmm. that were my cousin, how would I feel about this? And I know there's been a lot of back and forth, particularly in social media, among African Americans, yeah. among women, among men, just people saying, you know, I don't know, and it's like the OJ trial, and it's like Nelson Mandela, it's all these crazy things. We have to get down to the central point of the matter. No matter the myth, the image, the romance that we had with the characters yeah. he built through the years, the fact is, if someone took advantage of a woman without consent, we term that rape. Mm. And if that's what happened, and according to a court of law, that's what happened, it is what it is. As painful mm. as that may be, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's a, you know, it's a sad fall from grace for sure. And I think it's kind of a, a trying thing to watch happen. But, you know, this was a, a jury trial. It was a unanimous decision. You know, this is, uh, let's not vilify the jury now and call them racist or um, I think Camille Cosby said something like it was a like a lynch mob or something like that. It's not about me too. It's not about racism. It was about his own words and the facts of the case. And if you've ever sat on a jury, that's I have full faith in what the jury had to do and what they did. And that's the tough decision. But that's what we that's why we have jury trials. Real quick, uh, Nia, you take this uh, Amazon second headquarters. Philadelphia does not want to release its bid. Uh, the Pennsylvania Office of Open Records ordered them to. The city says it will appeal. Do we have a right to know what we are offering Amazon to come to town? You know what, this really points to a, a bigger issue when it comes to not just Philadelphia, but communities in general. We don't have a lot of faith in our government to operate on our best interests, regardless of what the deal is. And so if I trusted my mayor, my city council, people, whatever, we think, okay, yeah, it's great. We're trying to build jobs, etc. The fact of the matter is this process has been good for Philadelphia overall because at the end of the day, we're getting better every time we go out, and we're on the world stage now. Okay. Sunlight's the best disinfectant. That's good enough. Inside Stories of the Week coming up. <laughs> Inside Stories of the Week, we start with Dan. Well, we were talking earlier about the elections, and we actually may have a chance to make some really strong history in Pennsylvania and actually getting some female representation in our delegation. Look at some races. <clears throat> look at Madeline Dean. Look at Shivania Corbin-Johnson. And also, don't forget, look at Chrissy Houlihan and Chester County. These are some strong races. Pay attention. Thanks, Nia. Allison. I think the uh, Republican gubernatorial primary is this is the story right now. I think it's Scott Wagner's uh, race right now. But uh, what's really interesting is that Paul Mango is not a bad guy, but he ran a bad campaign. It got overly negative. It's turned people off. And Laura Ellsworth's numbers are climbing. So I'm excited to see what's next for her in the party. Okay, thanks, Allison. Jim. Matt, the Eisenhower Fellowships, uh, not named after me, <laughs> named after, of course, President uh, Eisenhower, located right here in Philadelphia, one of the great uh, leadership exchange programs in the United States, having its annual dinner. Uh, this weekend coming up at the Constitution Center honoring Colin Powell. Okay, thanks, Jim. Wow. 750,000. That is the number of independent voters in Pennsylvania or those who are not affiliated with the party. If majority leader Republican Dave Reed has his way, and he doesn't have many friends even among the Republicans, unfortunately, there'll be an open primary, redistricting reform by an independent commission, and term limits for committee chairpersons. So some of this legislation that gets bottled up, this good legislation, can get out. It's nice to see a Republican back this legislation, but it's a tough road to hoe still. I feel like you can fill an entire show on open primaries. <laughs> I'm for open primaries if you don't know yet. <laughs> and sunshine is right. the best. Right. Yes, it is. Jeff if is you miss that, that's what he purple. said. <laughs> Jim, Nia, Allison, Jeff, thanks, thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us. And if you want to listen to Inside Story in your car going to work, you can download or stream the Inside Story podcast. It's on iTunes and also Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt O'Donnell. Have a great Sunday, everyone. That's Inside Story for this week. We'll see you next week. I'll see you Monday morning on Action News at 4.30 a.m.